We had the joy Friday and Saturday of having our daughter and two of our grandchildren down here, Forest Area. I know what uh, that does to the heart, so I can't imagine what it would do when your daughter and your son-in-law and family, grandkids arrive. Nadia, I'm sure you're just thrilled this morning, uh, as you may know that her uh, family is here visiting, and uh, so I'm assuming that this is just a joy for you this morning to have them here with you. Uh, I'm going to try Slava Boho. Yes. Excellent. You know, it's amazing. It's been three months to the day that we have been here at Forest Baptist Church. And I can just want to say how excited that we are to be here. You've been a blessing to us. We've appreciated your love and your support. Uh, the blessings that you have poured upon us. The welcoming spirit. Uh, the many, many acts Uh, and expressions of care and support that you have given to us. It's been overwhelming. We count it a joy. We count it a privilege to share with you, to serve with you here at Forest Baptist Church. We're considering you our church family, and uh, we are so excited to be here uh, this, you know, for these last few months. And uh, it's our desire to continue to get to know you. It's our desire to continue to love you, to serve you, and to serve alongside you, to teach with you, to share the good news of the gospel with our community here in Forest and the surrounding Lampton Shores area. And we count it a blessing that uh, God saw fit to place us here with you for His work and for His glory. And so, yeah, that's kind of exciting news. Our house is still under construction and still continuing to move forward, but so are we, right? We're still all under construction as the Lord continues to work uh, through us. MG shares the same uh, sentiments with you as well. She's unfortunately not able to be here. Our youngest daughter and her husband are at a commissioning service at our former church at North Shore this morning as they are preparing Uh, This month in 20 days to be flying out to Indonesia with a one-way ticket as they will begin their language training in Indonesia. You'll get a chance, if you haven't already, to meet them next Sunday as they will be joining with us. They'll be coming to be with us next Sunday. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of your word. Lord, you've given it to us to Help us understand who you are and what you've done for us. We see these acts uh, of your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness, your mercy and your love and your compassion shown throughout the pages of Scripture as you continue to unfold uh, through these pages the story of redemption, the buying back. Lord, we recognize that in the beginning, sin entered the world through Adam and Eve and It's been passed on from generation to generation. It's affected the world. It's affected us. And uh, Lord, the only solution, the only remedy is what we just shared this morning is the cross. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ who took on our sin for us. It's uh, redemption that we received. It's forgiveness. It's victory uh, through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. And we await and we look forward to that day when we will see you face to face. We thank you for your uh, hope of your return. 
and your kingdom here on earth. And so we look forward to that day as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been traveling through the book of Joshua, and the next few weeks we'll take a break from Joshua, but we're turning a corner here in the book of Joshua. J. Vernon McGee says it this way, it was a long and bitter campaign. That's chapters 1 to 11. Now in chapter 12, we are given the names of the kings which Israel conquered. Frankly, this is his words, not mine. A chapter like this is not very exciting to me. But the thing that impresses me is the detail that God of this universe has given in terms like this. We would think that He would constantly be dealing with the great issues in grandiose terms. But God gets right down to the nitty-gritty where you and I live. There is a, reason, a lesson for us here. You and I sometimes hesitate to talk to God in prayer about the little details of our lives. We think, I ought not to talk to Him about things like that. Well, and I love how He always says, well, friend, talk to Him about those things. He wants to hear them. He wants us to express all that's going on in our lives. And this morning really does focus the attention on some of the little things, but those little things are so important to our lives. And they're so important to God. This morning I've entitled the message, Resting in God's Faithfulness. And let's read chapter 12. I am going to apologize beforehand because there are many names and many places. You're just going to bear with it, right? Because you're glad you're not reading it. Now there, uh, now these are the kings of the land whom the people of Israel defeated and took possession of their land beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise from the valley of the Arnon to Mount Hermon with all the Arabah eastward. Sion, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon and ruled from Eror, which was on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the middle of the valley as far as the river Jabbok, the boundary of the Amorites, that is, half of Gilead, and the Arabah to the sea of Cheroth, eastward, and in the direction of Beth Jashemoth to the sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, southward to the foot of the slopes of Pishka. And Og, king of Bashan, uh, one of the remnant of the Raphim, who lived at Ashtoreth and at Eder, and ruled over Mount Hermon and Selica, and all Bashan to the boundary of the Geshurites and the Maacharites, and over half of Gilead to the boundary of Sion, king of Hashbon. Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the people of Israel defeated them. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave their land for a possession to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. And these are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the people of Israel defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak uh, that rises towards Seir, and Joshua gave their land to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their allotments in the hill country, in the lowland, in the Arabah, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the Negev. The land of the Hittites, 
the land of the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jeremoth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Debur, one. The king of Geder, one. The king, the king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Abdulam, one. The king of Makda, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Hephek, one. The king of Lashron, one. The king of Madden, one. The king of Hazar, one. The king of Shimron, Muron, one. The king of Akshef, one. The king of Tanuk, one. The king of Magadon, Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jacknam in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in uh, Napheth, Dor, one. The king of Joam in Galilee, one. The king of Tiraz, one. In all, 31 kings. Joshua chapter 12, Joshua chapter 13, and Joshua chapter 14 are kind of all important for a number of reasons. And there's a few reasons I'll just suggest to you as we travel through this. And hopefully as we do, you'll also understand what those reasons mean uh, to our own lives, not only the people of Israel. And one of the reasons that this chapter is important is that it brings uh, to close the first half of this amazing book. Chapter 1 through 11 uh, really focus on the first half is a conquest of the land of Canaan. It, it was God giving this land over to the people of Israel just as He had promised He would do. And so it's the conquering in the first portion, chapter 1 through 5, the preparation of the people for their conquest of the land. Chapter 6 through 8, the, the conquest of central Canaan, the central area. Chapter 9 through 10, the conquest of the southern area of, of Canaan. And chapter 11 is the conquest of the northern or the north land of Canaan. So the reason number one is that it's so important because it, it concludes that first half of the book of Joshua. The other reason that chapter 12 is so important is that it will be a review and a summarization of all that God, and catch that, all that God had empowered His people to conquer the land and that He was giving it to them. So in addition to this chapter, it prepares us for the second half of the book, which will highlight distributing this land that they had now conquered. But if all we see in chapter 12 through 14 is a summarization, then all we would see would be nothing more than a mere review of the events that had already been covered. So the question comes, and you kind of got to ask this, why would the Holy Spirit Himself direct, we'll say Joshua, we'll, if Joshua's writing this, to review all of this in this one chapter? Why would, why would God lead Joshua to review this entire section of 1 to 11 in one chapter? 
the reason he did so was to impress upon us, as well as them, all that God was going to be doing, all that God was doing, his faithfulness to his promises to Israel. You see, he was the one who made the promises to his people. And that he would deliver them to this land. And he would give them this land. He would uh, entrust it to them. And so as they trusted God and what he promised, God proved to be faithful in every way. So reviewing helps us understand and reminds us of the importance of what God did and that He's faithful to do everything He's promised to do. So it's good to stop at this point of the account, right right in the middle, and let's just stop for a moment and review His faithfulness to His people. How good it is for us now as well as then, now and then, to stop and to review God's faithfulness to His promises to our lives. What did Jesus promise? What are the promises that are extended to us? What are the promises that we receive in Christ? Rest? Abundant life in Him? Eternal life for those who trust Him? The promise to ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. The promise says that He is going to prepare a place for us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises power so that we can be His witnesses. And He promises His return. Those aren't exhaustive promises, but those are a few of the promises. The New Testament also promises salvation to all who believe in the Son. That all things work for good to those who are called according to His purpose. The New Testament promises to make us that Christ will make us heirs. That God will make us heirs with Christ. He'll comfort us in trials. There's new life in Christ in every spiritual blessing in Christ, He promises to finish the work that He has begun in us. He promises peace, protection, to guard our hearts and minds and to supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. Again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but when you start to begin at the promises of what we receive in Christ, we begin to see the amazing things that God has promised to us. Because of Jesus Christ. So this chapter, chapter 12, is, is easy to pass by. Why? Because you, like me, have a trouble reading the names, and so we're going to pass by it probably very quickly just because of that. But when we stop and we take inventory of our blessings, the blessings that God has given to us, we can see a clear testimony in all of it of God's faithfulness. As you read through, these children of Israel needed to be reminded because this is probably not the generation to whom it happened with. Joshua's writing this and then the next generation's reading this to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. So it transfers down to you and I are reading this so that we as well remember and are reminded of the faithfulness of God. So why this review? We could say that it was a summary of God's works. 
for his people in this short list. But we would then have been, uh, we need to be reminded that we need to tell, to uh, be told all of it. Perhaps it wasn't just for them. Perhaps it was as well for the generation that followed and for every generation down to today. It's a lesson of how when they learned to trust God and allow Him to be their leader and their defender, the mighty defender, the Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner, the Jehovah Jireh that the Lord provides, the Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, God Almighty. And when they did this and they were reminded of this and they put their mind on it, right, and they trusted in it, that he would go forth in his power to do as he promised to do. What did he do? We looked at all of these things from the crossing of the Red Sea to the battle of Jericho to the second battle of Ai to the battle of the kings of the south to the battle of the kings of the north. And every time if you just start to realize and remember the battle was fought by the Lord. In the end, it was a testimony not of their faithfulness, but of God's faithfulness. And praise the Lord, it's not about my faithfulness, but it's about His faithfulness. A wonderful psalm to read in connection with these chapters is Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So chapter 12, again, is to highlight this point. This is a review with the purpose of reminding us of God's faithfulness to His promise and His promises. And in the midst of our battles, which in turn causes us to respond by counting our blessings, naming them one by one. When we recall what God has done in His faithfulness to us, We remember how He has brought us through the victory in our own battles, in our own struggles. We are reminded that we are to count our many blessings. Next Sunday, I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that in a most powerful way and purposeful way because we will be focusing on the wonderful time of Thanksgiving. And we recall the Thanksgiving Things that we need to be thankful for to the Lord. Now as we turn to chapter 13, we begin a journey into the second half of this book of Joshua. I'm not going to read this. You can read through the names of what takes place here. It's going to be a division that happens as far as as they divide this up. But I want to remind you that the victorious Christian life, like the book of Joshua, involves a conquest over the areas of our life that are still given over to sin. We have been redeemed if we've put our trust and faith in Christ. We've been forgiven, but we continue on the journey. 
Paul even says that he continues to struggle with the sin nature and oh, that he wishes and longs for glory when that battle will be over. But we continue to wrestle. But after Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6, and 7, we come to chapter 8 where he gives thanks to God. Even though in the midst of his wrestling and his, in his sin nature, I want to do this, but I don't, and I don't want to do this, but I do. But thanks be to God for His victory in Christ Jesus, he says. And when we rely and trust on Him, we find the victory that we need in our own lives. So just like the first half of the book of Joshua, we are to rise up, and with God's help, with God's leading and victory, conquer those areas and gain victory over them. Jesus has ensured that the victory for us is sure. Did you, you know that? Like Even the people of Canaan had no chance because God had already promised victory. The land will be yours. And God promises us victory in Christ through His blood, through His shed blood for us. And He like Joshua of old, that's Jesus, leads us in the conquest. I think sometimes for me in my life as I reflect, I really felt the spiritual life battle was something I needed to do. I was the one. It, the, the responsibility let, was, fell, fell on me. Right? To make sure I have the armor of God, which is true. But ultimately, do I not need to trust and rely and depend upon God's victory in Christ in my life? To find true victory? That He's leading the conquest? Right? And I find that in His Word, and through prayer, and through study, and fellowship. All of those things help in the spiritual battle that we face. Joshua is the English spelling of the Aramaic and Hebrew name Yeshua. And the Greek name given to Jesus is Lesus. The name Joshua means God is our deliverance. Or God is our salvation. And Joshua acts as a picture or kind of a throwing forward to Jesus who ultimately leads us in deliverance. And He ultimately is our source of salvation. Joshua 13. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. You know, Joshua probably is somewhere between the ages of 85 and 100, depending on which commentary you will read. He's he's getting up there. He's not as young as Ernie. Ernie just had a birthday and he's 75 for the 14th time. But, you know, we're getting up there in age here. I love the next words. Have you ever caught this? And the Lord said to him, you are old. (laughs) You are advanced in years. Nothing's hidden from God. God knows where we're at and all that's going on. He knows that Joshua is getting up there. And yet... It's not an issue for the work of the Lord because he says there's still much to do in possessing this land, Joshua. There's much to do. Joshua was a slave in Egypt. You remember that? Joshua was a slave in Egypt. Joshua was a warrior in the desert. 
as they traveled around the desert. He was one of the initial spies in the land of Canaan. He was an, an apprentice under Moses. And then he was given this leadership of the nation of Israel into the promised land and the conquest of Canaan. So now Joshua's got to be thinking, you know what, we've taken over the major parts of this land. I think it's time for retirement. I'm 85. I'm hoping that 85, that might be the case, but I don't know. It's a time to take for himself and to let the younger generation take over. He must be thinking, hey, don't I deserve time to myself? I am sure all the past has taken its toll on Joshua. He's been through a lot emotionally and physically as a warrior, as a battler, as a leader. Joshua, we are told, is, as I say, somewhere between 85 and 92 years old. He will live to be 110. So Joshua has between 13 and 25 years left to serve the Lord. And God will move Joshua from the conquering leader to the administrator as he allots the land and divides up the inheritance of the tribes of Israel. This also reminds me that the task and the responsibility, even though they now have possession of the land, will continue to be a battle. I'm sorry to remind you and I this morning, our spiritual life and battle will remain until we see Him face to face. As long as we're here, we continue to be in the battle. We continue to fight the enemy, our flesh, and the devil. And this is a reminder here that these clans, these tribes of Israel are going to have to take up the responsibility to begin that battle of those areas that are still yet not taken over. God called Abraham. He was a pagan. He was an idol worshiper. He was living in Ur in the land of Mesopotamia. And here God led Abraham to the land of Canaan. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham. He told Abraham he was going to be a great nation and that through him that the land of Canaan was going to be God's land to him for his people. God reaffirmed the promise with Abraham's son Isaac and then his grandson Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Uh, Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. And that is why we have 12 tribes of Israel. Now you're going to notice, and we're not going to go through these, but what will take place is that Joshua here is going to divide the land up amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. And as it says in the text, so only allot the land that, uh, to Israel for an inheritance as, you have, as I have commanded you. So Moses is going to give a, a portion of the land, and then Joshua is going to give a portion of the land. As we look through the text, Moses will give uh, a number of those portions of land on the east side of the Jordan River. The allotment in the first part of chapter 13 goes to Reuben, it goes to Gad, and it goes to Manasseh. And they're, to, they're going to settle on the east side. I understand that what took place as Moses came in on the east side and battled these kings, Og and Sion, and took over this land, that this land was very much um, 
appropriate for these tribes because of the numerous livestock that they had. And so they found that this would be very good land for them. It was given to them, as you can see, Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben, under the condition that they would be given this land on the east, but they were going to have to fight on the west with the rest of Israel, which they would do. They would follow through with their commitment to do that. So Moses had given them this land on that side, and then Joshua, as he takes over the land of Canaan, uh, with their help as well, uh, he will divide the land west of the Jordan among them. I don't know if you ever remember the game of sticks. right? If you're deciding uh, who's going to get the prizes, did you ever do that as a kid? And you had to come and pick a stick, right? And we could say, you know, that the, this is for the woods. You know, this is for the Fergusons. This is for the Gordons, right? This is for you and you and you and you. And I, I could go on. I do know most of your last names. But there's 12 of them there. And that's what actually is going to take place with Joshua. It was by lot that they fell on the rest of the division of those lands. You will notice that there's going to be now, there's two and a half tribes on the east, so there'll be nine and a half tribes on the west. You will notice that there's Manasseh, Judah, and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim, they're not sons of Jacob. Who are they sons of? Or Israel. They're not sons of Israel. Who are they sons of? Joseph. So Joseph's not listed here, but they're listed here. Manasseh and Ephraim. They were sons of Joseph. Joseph does not receive a direct uh, portion of land, uh, but through his sons. Then there's Benjamin, Simeon, uh, Zebulun, Ishkar, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. And then you may notice as well that there's another tribe that didn't receive a land, and that is Levi. If you refer to 13.14, to the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. Why didn't he give any inheritance? Because the offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance. And so here's the division of the land that Moses and Joshua divided up amongst the children of Israel and the Levites themselves. They looked after the worship, the temple, the sacrifices. They served the Lord and that was uh, their inheritance from him directly. Then the Lord said, you are old, right? And yet there's much work to do. But there's still work to be done. So our work on earth is never complete. Right? Paul, getting close to the end of his life, says in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The mission Jesus gave to us right, to do is never complete until we step into uh, His glory, the life of His glory. We keep on praying. We keep on sharing the good news. We keep on studying the Word and serving the Lord until He calls us home. I like what Frank said this morning. His desire is to keep Christ in His mind. To keep Him as the focus. And that's our job. There remains much work to do. God is faithful to get the children of Israel into the land which He promised them. He conquered all the major enemies and those who were a major military threat to Israel. But regions remained that still required conquering. 
And in Christ we receive salvation. Victory over death in the grave, but our battles remain. Conquering the spiritual victories continue to be fought. And holding on to faith continues to be our call. Rod Mattoon says it this way, there remains very much land to be possessed. For all of us, there is much unoccupied territory in the Word of God. There are promises that we have not yet made our own. There are biblical principles that we have not yet fully grasped with our minds and put into practice in our lives. There are fields of truth that the Holy Spirit is waiting to lead us into. There are scriptural treasures yet to be discovered and to be dug up. Some of God's greatest treasures are not on the surface. The study of God's Word will yield wonderful blessings. There is much territory in the land of Canaan. And in the Christian experience, the same thing that needs to be possessed. The things we do not know, have we fully believed? Are the things we do know, have we fully believed? The things we believe, have we fully realized and understood? The things we realize, have we fully proved them in our life? We have learned lessons of love, but have we love that bears all things and never fails? We have learned to suffer long and to be kind. We have received the white robes of righteousness, but we have Put on the we- but have we put on the wedding robes? We have been cleansed and made holy, but have we seen the beauty of holiness in our lives and the touch of His polishing and perfecting hand on our lives? We have experienced the joy of the Lord, but, we- but have we learned to count it all joy when we fall into divers temptations? Or do we glory in tribulations? We have answered prayers, but do we know a life of prayer? Of asking, of seeking, of knocking? You may have submitted to the will of God and have chosen His will, but do you delight in His will? Do you prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? There is a land that needs to be possessed in the area of the Christian service. Classes need to be taught. Songs need to be sung. Buildings need to be built. Rooms need to be cleaned. People need to be visited. Tracks need to be passed out. Christians need to be encouraged. Homes need to be open to others. People need uh, to be picked up for church. It's going to become winter soon. There's a few here I think that we need to be thinking of how we're going to continue to get them here. And folks need to be witnessed to. There's still work to do. We are not retired from the work of the Lord. John MacArthur, when Joshua allotted areas to individuals and tribes, they bore the challenge to drive out lingering resistors. If not, they would disobey God's mandate to to be resolute in the conquest. Failure to do this thoroughly will become a sad theme in the book of Judges. Their failure to do this completely will result in Judges chapter 1 and following. Right? And so it's important that we do this. Right in the middle of chapter 13, uh, we will find Balaam. And we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, continue this 
in a few weeks. Chapter 14, 1-5 will outline the inheritance of those uh, nine and a half tribes and to the west side of the Jordan. And we'll look at inheritance and what that means in a few weeks as well. Heavenly Father, I just pray as we consider the fact that your work is never complete. The work here, uh, this body of believers gathered together as Forest Baptist Church. Lord, we gather in a building. Thank you for it. But we are not a building. Lord, your work continues in and through us. We use this as a means of opportunity to teach your word, to study your word, to uh, be used as a lighthouse to our community through many, many different opportunities that we are able to present and to use. And we thank you for them. We thank you for the opportunities we have uh, individually in our homes, with our friends, in our community, uh, with our work, in our families. Lord, there's so much work to continue to do. Lord, we want to know your faithfulness and be reminded of those things that you have done in the past because that reminds us that you are faithful to your promises in our lives. And may we commit uh, afresh and anew uh, to what you've called us to, to continue the work until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.